Can the Bears beat Oklahoma in Norman this week? And maybe a more important question, can Oklahoma beat the Bears in Norman? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Baylor. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Today, we welcome in the like the basic, like the OU insider, Parker Thune. Um, you know, Parker, you and I have done plenty of stuff together over the course of time at this point. And one thing never changes. I always talk about Baylor and you always talk about Oklahoma. And I, th- I it's going to stay the same today. Big D. Great to see you, man. That's very true. That's how it always is. That's probably how it always mm-hmm. will be. Uh, I will say uh, it's brought me secondhand pain to log into Twitter the last couple of days and see you catching stray after stray from the horny toads. That Dude. was an unfortunate little development of all of the teams that are so irrelevant to anything that has to do with either Baylor or Oklahoma this week. We didn't even play them for like three weeks and lo and behold, here they are. Um, not easy to fend off though. It was a pretty bad barstool account, but you know what? They're watching this too. So whatever I say, I'm, I'm liable for, um, Parker, so many storylines this week. Jeff Levy being one of them. Certainly, yeah, it's on no the doubt. docket for, for Dave Rand and company. Uh, the other being two, in my opinion, comparable teams. Oklahoma and Baylor. Disappointing starts to their season. Everyone's scratching their head and saying, what is this product from a preseason top 10, top 15 program that has not lived up to the hype? And now each squad has picked up a couple of conference wins and feels like there's more momentum trending in their direction. But First and foremost, what what is it? What clicked for OU at these last two games, 52 points against Kansas, and then really not a blowout necessarily of Iowa State, but a road win. What clicked to make this team good now? Well, they got Dylan Gabriel back. And, mm-hmm. you know, the entirety of the offseason, uh, the preseason leading in, uh, most everybody on this beat, everybody that covered the team was of one accord with the perspective that the one thing that could really sink Oklahoma is if Dylan Gabriel got hurt because mm-hmm. the drop off between him and everybody else in the cornerback in the quarterback room was massive, is massive. And so obviously come October 1st, they head down to Fort Worth and everybody's worst dreams come to life when Jamoy Hodge spears Dylan Gabriel and he suffers the concussion that held him out for the remainder of that game and for the entirety of the Texas game. Look, this team's not nearly as bad as that 49 to zero loss to Texas would indicate that has almost exclusively to do with the fact that they didn't have the one guy that is capable of holding things together offensively for them. And that is Dylan Gabriel. You saw how jacked up and just straight up weird. The game plan is when it's anybody, but Dylan Gabriel taking the snaps. So look, the ceiling for this Oklahoma team in 2022 is only so high. And they look, they got straight up beat by Kansas state. They lost that game on their home field. They got outplayed. It was much the same way against TCU. They probably lose that game too, even if Gabriel plays all 60 minutes. It's a lot closer than 55 to 24, naturally, but they probably lose that game anyway. The Texas game, I I, I frankly don't know what happens if you insert Gabriel into the mix, but I think what you've seen the last couple of weeks is that the Sooners' offense is much more efficient, much more effective, much more productive when mm. Gabriel's at the helm versus anybody else that you could throw out there at the quarterback position. So you look ahead to their slate in the month of November, obviously Baylor this weekend, then they travel to West Virginia, they come home to host Oklahoma State, 
and then they close out the regular season in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Those are all four very winnable games. The question becomes, how good is this Oklahoma team in all actuality? Because I don't know if we have a solid barometer on how they stack up against the rest of the Big 12 yet, just because I don't know how much wins against Kansas and Iowa State really say about this team. And those are the only two. Well, you throw Kansas State in the mix there as well. Those are the only three teams that Oklahoma has had the opportunity to face in conference play with a fully healthy Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, that the Dylan Gabriel conversation is one that I wanted to at least start with, but veer from for sheer fact of he doesn't play linebacker. And yeah. for Oklahoma, the the rush defense has just been gashed consistently. And that's that's what Baylor wants to do. Uh, Texas Tech game, 40 minutes of time of possession. Kansas, same thing. Richard Reese, like Dick Reese has emerged as a 12 touchdown, 800 yard back for Baylor, even as a freshman that will carry the ball 35 times on Saturday. Can Oklahoma stop him? Can they? Yes. Would I, would I count on it? No. I think it's one of those situations where if you're an Oklahoma fan, you just kind of have to have a healthy understanding that if you win this football game, it's going to be the type of football game in which Richard Reese just kind of gets his any yep. way you slice it. And Oklahoma's run defense has not been spectacular. Just the front seven in general has been very iffy over the course of conference play for Oklahoma. They did some very good things in non-con against UTEP and Kent state, Nebraska, but that's UTEP. That's Kent state. That's Nebraska. Yeah. Right. And uh, it did not at all provide a reliable barometer of what kind of defense they could play when presented with functional offenses, functional yeah. power five offenses. And yeah, you know, I, I would imagine the game plan for Baylor is just going to be to force feed the ball to Richard Reese and make Oklahoma contain him. I don't know that they can do that. Uh, I, again, I think if Oklahoma wins this football game on Saturday, it's going to be in spite of a big day from Richard Reese. Yeah, I do want to point out some of the, the sad facts here. Uh, 41, 55, 49, and 52. Four straight weeks for Oklahoma allows over 40 points. And then last week against Iowa State on the road, only allowing 13. What clicked defensively? What Was it just the fact that Hunter Deckers and Iowa State have maybe the worst offense in the Big 12? Or did it feel like Oklahoma's defense took a step in the in the right direction? Well, Iowa State's stable of running backs is not outstanding, and yeah, that helped. True. The Sooners didn't. The Sooners didn't have to stop a Bijan Robinson or a Deuce Vaughn, right? And so that played into it as well. But the other thing that they did this past Saturday up in Ames is they forced turnovers, three mm. of them, which is as many as they had forced in the four Big Twelve games that they'd played up until that point. So. Winning the turnover battle is huge for this team and for any team. You know, in general, the team that wins the turnover battle is the team that wins the football game. And the Sooners just had not been very good about generating turnovers to that point in Big 12 play. That all kind of changed on Saturday up at Iowa State. They were able to take advantage of some ill-advised throws from Hunter Deckers. And they had some guys that made some really athletic plays in coverage. And uh, again, there's, there's untapped potential defensively for Oklahoma they've been banged up that hasn't helped uh, but it's about cultivating consistency especially with this stretch run that is to come for the Sooners and uh, what does can what can consistency reasonably look like can they consistently be a defense that surrenders 20 points a game or are they more consistently a defense that surrenders 30 points a game when they're playing better ball I I don't really know yet and 
I think these next two games, Baylor and West Virginia, are going to tell us a lot about what kind of defense Oklahoma truly has because they're close to full strength at this point defensively. Yeah. Getting Billy Bowman back this past Saturday is big. So uh, tremendous challenge the next couple of weeks at home against this Baylor team and then on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. Parker, I want to get your thoughts on really the Oklahoma perspective of Baylor and what it is about this Baylor team that has been at least dangerous in certain games this season. They haven't been blown out yet. Uh, you know, the yeah. Oklahoma State game, you can make an argument, but it's an eight-point game down the stretch where Baylor's got at least a shot in even that one. And before that, Jeff Levy, I alluded to it earlier, and a guy that a lot of Baylor fans are very familiar with, and Dave Aranda knocks off Levy's team in Ole Miss in uh, the Sugar Bowl last year. What has his presence in Norman done for Oklahoma and really what what's the consensus on Jeff Levy altogether from Oklahoma not only beat writers but also fans yeah I think most people are still kind of reserving judgment on Levy at this point because of the absence of Gabriel for those couple of games towards the beginning of big 12 play and so yeah. Uh, I, I think most everybody uh, is under the impression that the jury's still out in that regard. But when his offenses have been clicking, I mean, they have been really, really clicking. They have run the ball very well. The offensive line play has actually been outstanding over yeah. the course of Big 12 play. If there's one positional group that you can point to in conference play that has really been a legitimate strength for Oklahoma – it's been the offensive line, and that has resulted in plenty of time in the pocket for Dylan Gabriel. That's resulted in some outstanding rushing performances. Eric Gray right now, were it not for Bijan Robinson and Richard Reese, would probably be in line uh, to be first team all Big 12. And so, uh, yeah, the offense has demonstrated a very high ceiling, but again, how consistent can they be? I don't know if we have a reliable gauge on that yet just because you have that window mid-season where Dylan Gabriel was out for two games. And so are they closer to the offense that we saw in non-conference play or are they closer to the offense that they saw or that we saw this past weekend at Iowa State where maybe it's not prolific, but they do enough to win a football game and play complementary football and are able to capitalize on strong performances by the defense and special teams. So uh, as far as Levy is concerned, uh, I, I am certainly reserving judgment. I yeah. think a lot of folks are on the same page. And in terms of the perception of Baylor, I mean, look, it's this team's identity isn't a secret, right? They do all the little things very well. They're extremely fundamentally sound. They run the ball effectively. Dave Aranda is a fantastic defensive coach. And they're one of those teams, and I would put, Kansas state in this same category. They're mm. one of those teams that you're never just going to sleepwalk through, right? If you show up and you don't play your game for 60 minutes, they're going to beat you because they will capitalize on your mistakes. And so, uh, now Brent Venables was asked about Dave Aranda earlier today in his press conference. And obviously a guy for whom Venables has a ton of respect, uh, mentioned that Aranda actually tried to recruit his son, Jake Venables to LSU back in the day. But I mean, you're looking at two of the premier defensive minds in college football going head to head for the very first time as head coaches this weekend. I'm excited for that. Whoa, I'll stop you guys right there to tell everybody at home about underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy, I love it. Underdog fantasy, I love because I can compete against people that I know and love in sports media. You know, Parker kind of alluded to this. TCU Barstool called me out this week for being, you know, wrong. Oh, no. No one in, in sports media ever has been wrong, including myself until now. It's the first time. I know. Insane. But luckily, at underdog fantasy, I can still prove 
some sort of semblance of dominance over my peers and others through our college football pick them. We see who's got the best, who's who's the best at the college football pick them. You pick the most games correctly any given Saturday. Um, granted, I'm not winning said pick them. So maybe I'm not the best. Maybe I do get things wrong sometimes, like all of us inevitably at you, Barstool TCU, who was shocked that TCU 7-0. But Underdog is something that I've had a lot of fun with, comparing not just with coworkers at Locked On, but also with Baylor fans that are out there playing Underdog and those who have joined since we started plugging it at Locked On Baylor. One of the easiest, most fun things to do on your college wall Saturday, use the promo code Locked On. All caps, one word, locked on, and Underdog will double your first deposit of $100, up to $100. It's $100 free, underdogfantasy.com. Get into the college football pick today. Promo code locked on at underdogfantasy.com. Parker, looking at the matchup in general, and I, and I want to get further thoughts on Baylor's offense and defense both, but last year, the game in Waco, Baylor just dominated. Start to finish, you know, Oklahoma's trying to figure out the quarterback situation even in the middle of the game because Baylor's defense was so stifling. Has that been brought up at all? in press conferences, fans, media, or did it feel like the changing of the guard of head coaches wiped away last year's slate altogether? I think it's helped a lot of the concerns surrounding how that game progressed. I think it helped a lot of those concerns ebb away because the reality was in that football game, Baylor employed a very simple game plan defensively. They were just rushing three, dropping eight, and Lincoln Riley played right into their hands. Uh, with the scheme that he drew up. And look, if you do that exact same thing with Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy's just going to hand the ball to Eric Gray 35 times mm-hmm. and make you stop the run. And so uh, I think many folks aren't as worried about the potential pitfalls uh, of going up against a Dave Aranda defense as they would be if this was the exact same offense heading into this game in 2022 that uh, went to Waco and got dominated in 2021. That said, uh, a rando, a rando can delve into the bag of tricks, right? Yeah. And so it's not going to, it's not going to be a standard defensive game plan. It never is with him. And, uh, Levy will have a few tricks of his own up his sleeve. The Sooners have been very good to this point in the year about getting their best playmakers, the ball and Baylor's going to have to counteract that defensively. I don't question that Aranda can do that. And that's why I'm super excited, uh, to watch these two masterminds go head to head, Jeff Levy, trying to coordinate an offense that can unlock big plays against a Baylor defense that generally is very good about not allowing. Yeah. You know, Baylor's defense, had you asked me three weeks ago, what I thought of it, I would have probably given every, um, I, I will for back of a letter, lack of a better term, say anti-superlative. I would have just unloaded on how disappointing the defense with Dylan Doyle and Siaki Ika and Matt Jones and Garmin Randolph and Jackson player and Gabe Paul, and the list goes on a big name yeah. guys that just have not stepped up and performed until last week. Guys that I'd never even heard of were picking off balls. Like I, I had two interceptions in the game by virtue of the fact that Texas Tech just kept throwing all three quarterbacks interceptions to everyone who wanted one. Uh, so now I think the defense has taken a, a next step. A lot of sophomores, a young secondary too, and it's a lot scarier than it would have been three weeks ago. When you look at the Baylor defense, and granted Texas Tech does not have a Dylan Gabriel, when you look at the Baylor defense, do you see a unit that scares Oklahoma, or is this a team that has not proven enough to earn that respect? Well, I I will say this, and this is probably, this is the company line that you would get from anybody involved with the program on the inside, yeah. right? Uh, they'd probably tell you there's not a defense in the country that scares us, mm. but 
you do have a healthy respect for Dave Aranda as a coach and the playmakers that Baylor has on defense. And so, no, I, I don't think Baylor's defense necessarily scares Oklahoma, but again, there is that level of respect that you have to have for what they have accomplished to this point in Aranda's Aranda, tenure defensively and what they can accomplish when they're playing their best ball. So uh, it's not going to be easy sledding for Oklahoma mm. and they didn't have easy sledding last weekend in Ames. Again, what it took to win that football game was a complimentary effort in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. So yeah. I don't think anybody's expectation is that Oklahoma is going to come out on Saturday and firebomb that Baylor defense and route to 45, 50 points in a runaway victory. If they want to beat the bears, they're going to have to play well in all three phases. They don't have to play perfect, but they do have to have those three phases complement one another the way that they did last weekend up at Jack Trice Stadium. So if that happens, if Oklahoma wins the game, where have they exploited Baylor, whether it's Blake Shapin and an offense that had been shaky at times or a defense that could still be unproven, where does Oklahoma win the game if they do so? I think it comes down to forcing Shapin to make a couple mistakes. Oh, and- well, that's going to be easy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and again, like, look, Shapin's by no means an elite quarterback. Uh, yeah. He can put, he's, he's played some good ball at times. He's played some not so good ball at times. And so look, I, I, I feel similar to Shapin as I do about Hunter Deckers. I think Shapin's a little better, all things considered than Deckers, but the recipe is very much the same last week to this week for Oklahoma. You got to do uh, what you did on Saturday up in Ames against Hunter Deckers, which is, He gives you an opportunity to make a play. You got to capitalize. And Oklahoma didn't do that over the first few games of Big 12 play. The opportunities were there against Adrian Martinez in Kansas State. They were certainly there in Fort Worth against TCU and Max Duggan. Deshaun White dropped what would have been potentially a game-changing pick six Mm. in the second quarter of that game. He had nobody between him and the end zone. Ball goes straight through his hands. And at that point, that's when you kind of figured, okay, uh, this is a lost cause. Same thing the following week against Texas. Woody Washington gets both hands on a Quinn Ewers pass on Texas's opening drive. Can't come up with the interception. Would have been a real easy juncture for Oklahoma to be able to seize some early momentum away from the Longhorns, and they couldn't capitalize. So it's about capitalizing on those types of opportunities when the opposing quarterback gives you a chance to turn him over. Look, Blake Shapin has been really bright in some bright spots, but he's been turnover prone. So if that's the key to Oklahoma winning the game is turning over Blake Shapin, that's been the key to Baylor's losses this season, game in and game out, is Blake Shapin turning the ball over. Uh, Parker, midweek, last thing I'll throw at you here. As it sits for you, who wins this game right now? Which is an easy question, by the way. I mean, super simple, not loaded whatsoever. Oh man, it, it it's legit a toss up for me because I, I, I can't figure out either of those, either of these two teams yeah. right now. And right. so I, I, I would probably go the Vegas route and give Oklahoma the slight edge based on home field advantage. Yeah. But I think it's going to be one of those football games, Drake, that comes down to just a play or two that swings things one way or the other. And I'll go back to it. It comes down to who capitalizes on those types of plays, Oklahoma or Baylor. So do I have to bring my own betting to sleep on your couch this weekend? Or is that something that you provide? I will provide it. uh, 
I can I can vouch for the fact that it is above average quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully you're satisfied with the accommodations. This is your first time in Norman, right? This is my first time in Norman. Yeah, How about it. I had to uh, get out of student media to go to Norman. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you this weekend, and it should be a fantastic game on Saturday when these two programs hit the field. What's the uh, you know Texas Tech in Lubbock? They had their Chilton's in Provo. They had their Cougar Tails in Ames, Iowa. They had Keystone. What is like the Norman go-to in terms of what now? Exactly. Anything like food (laughs) musts. What's the thing? Okay. I feel like the, the most popular answer you would get is you got to go to the Mont and you got to get a swirl. That's, that's probably what any Normanite would tell you. I don't consider, I don't really consider myself a Normanite yet. I haven't lived here long enough, Mm. but uh, talk to anybody who has lived here for quite a while. They'd probably tell you, yeah, you go to the Mont, you order a swirl. That's Norman for you. Yeah. For a long portion of Waco's history, anyone who said I'm a Wacoan, they'd be like, yeah, all right, sweet. We'll take it. You know, uh, obviously things have changed. Thank you, Chip and Joanna. Uh, and thank you, Parker Thune, for joining the show today. For those that, that want to see your content, I know you're coming out with a lot of it this week in terms of Baylor and Oklahoma, or they just want to follow along with your Oklahoma coverage in general. Where can they find you? Yes, sir. OUinsider.com, a service of the 24-7 Sports Network. We cover all things OU football and recruiting. Uh, I'm also on the radio three hours a day if you're interested in listening to me talk for three more hours. If you've somehow listened to the 20 minutes that we've had here and say, you know what, I want to sign out. I want to sign up for another 15 hours of this weekly. Uh, The Ref Sports Radio Network uh, is the place uh, that hosts my uh, t- talents, if you will. Mm, I love it. Uh, three hours a day, 12 to 3, Monday through Friday is my slot. You can download the KREF app on the App Store or go to kref.com. If you live in the state of Oklahoma, we've got affiliates all across the state. Uh, so again, you go to kref.com. Uh, you'll be able to find those affiliates listed and figure out how you can listen. All right. Thanks again to Parker for joining the show. Guy's good, man. Guy's always just... Solid. Um, and look, Dave Aranda. I always say it like that. Dave Aranda, what do you think about the Oklahoma game? I mean, Parker and I, we can chat about it all day, but Dave, what do you think? Not just about Oklahoma, but also about the win last weekend at Texas Tech. Guys, it's good to see you. Um, you know, reviewing the tape, a lot of positive things. I thought the energy uh, was really good from start to finish. I thought there was, there was edge on tape. You know, Tech was... Tech plays hard, and they play inspired. And for us to um, to go out and play the way we did, way proud of the team. And then I thought there's so many examples of here's something in practice, here's a drill, here it is showing up in a team period, and then here it is showing up in a game. And to continue to build with that thought in mind, I think just really kind of keeps us focused on on a process and gets us better and better which we're going to need to be for this next one. You know, I have a lot of respect for uh, Coach Venables and this team we're playing and the environment and all of it. And so we're going to have to continue to uh, to grow and improve uh, so that we can uh, put our best, uh, our best effort forward. Take any questions you guys got. Dave, uh, what do you see from Dylan Gabriel and just their offense in general? You know, um, he's got a really live arm. There's great confidence in him, and so he'll throw from one hash to the other sideline. Uh, you know, he's got great anticipation, 
so he throws guys open um and then he can beat you with his legs too you know if everything's covered and there's nowhere to go with it he can take off running and so you have to be really sound with your pass rush and um you know it helps to have vision on the ball with your coverage uh, or vision on the quarterback rather so yeah he makes it very difficult Saturday night, you talked about you were waiting for some X-rays back on Drake. Do you have an update on him? Yeah, he um, he broke his leg, and so his his fibula is broke, and he will he's having surgery today, and so I think you know we're gonna miss him. Yeah, I, I you know I look when I look at Drake, I I think of just from this year, just all the improvement he made, and just his mindset towards work. And, um, you know, he was kind of, um, you know, he was progressing from, hey, here's, here's the second tight end, here's a guy that can block when Ben's getting out and into routes to where now, hey, here's, here's Drake, here's your game plan, here's your routes, right, here's your matchups. And, uh, you know, I know he was looking forward for more of that, so we're all thinking of him for sure. Dave, what is the biggest difference between Brent Venables, Oklahoma, and Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma that you faced in the past? You know, I think right now with um, with with Coach Venables, I think they're still kind of fine on themselves, which, you know, you could say that about us too over here. And so I think there's there has been improvement um, these last couple of weeks, and um, they're playing they're playing hard for him. And there, so you can see the, um, you know, the inspired play, and then I think you can see, um, um, you could see kind of a, um, um, uh, a defense that has found an identity and is playing towards it, and then you're looking at, you know, offensively, I, you know, they really ran the ball well this last game, and I th- I'm sure that helped their defense. And so you're seeing kind of a, a collective team kind of emerging. And so I think that would probably be the best way to answer that question is, you know, that, you know this, this Oklahoma team is becoming right now. Dave, uh, probably can't expect five interceptions every week from, from your secondary, but uh, was that Saturday night a, just maybe a glimpse of just, you know, how good they can be? I appreciate the question. I think there's – um, you know, there's been a lot of work into it. There's been so from the player perspective, it's um, you know don't you know don't practice um, afraid of making mistakes, right? Practice um, to make a play, and then when you're practicing to make a play, stay within these this framework of technique and structure and scheme. Just that alone, right there for a young player is a whole thing. And then while that's going on, the coach, um, hey, here's, you know, here's drills to high point a ball. Here's drills to, um, here's drills to um, have vision and break. Here's drills to uh, undercut a receiver and make a play on the ball. And so, and then from the coach's perspective, is that continue with those drills, right? Find the good in it. Don't always point out the bad and build, build, build. And so for all of that to be happening and not a lot of, um, I guess, produce <laughs> you know, is one way you could say it. You know, it's kind of barren landscape 
we're just kind of tilling dirt, you know. And then for all of a sudden for that to happen, um, I think it's important for the coaches and the players to know that it ain't all of a sudden. You know, there's been a lot of work into that. And to continue with that, I think, gives us a chance to hopefully do that again. Coach, how similar is this OU offensive scheme to the Jeff Levy offense you faced in the Sugar Bowl last year? It's uh, a good question. There's, there. I think the tempo is is familiar. I think um, there's there's less spread out sets. Uh, at least you know uh, here lately, there's been more of a focus on the run game, and um, almost you know there's there's a fair amount of runs that you remember back from OU a year ago to two years ago, kind of shown up. Um, whereas before it. You know, I think when you're looking at Ole Miss, there was some of that, but it was just more speed and more balls on the perimeter. We're uh, here lately, and as was um, kind of highlighted before, I think some of it is to help just the overall team and the pace of play and the defense and that. And so, um, so there's some, but not a lot. Dave, the focus on the run game for you guys has been <clears throat> a uh, – Pretty big in these uh, past few weeks, 30-plus uh, carries for Richard in back-to-back mm-hmm. weeks. How much of a focal point has he become in this offense, and is he, uh, I guess, the anchor that you guys can lean on? Appreciate that. I, you know, he's been he's been a good focal point. I think we're we're hopeful. Um, you know, still don't know about Squirrel yet, and we're hoping that we can get Squirrel back. And you know, I think the. You saw a lot of positive things from Coylan. I mean, there's physical runs, um, physical blocks. And so I think, you know, he is coming on at um, at, a, at a way important time. And so I think there's going to be more of, um, you know, um, running back by committee just to help with that overall carry number. Uh, but at the same time, just way proud of – of uh, Richard and just his his effort and just his his attitude because uh, there's you know there's some goal line runs in there where the daylight is you could fit a quarter in that thing and he found it you know and found it in an aggressive manner and so we way appreciate that. That was Dave Aranda. Thank you to Dave and Parker Thune for joining the show today. But I love both those guys. Parker, solid man. Go follow him on Twitter, at Parker Thune. The guy has unbelievable coverage of Oklahoma sports. And from us at Locked On Baylor, come back tomorrow, and it's a Locked On crossover edition. Baylor and the Sooners talking all things this weekend's game. It's a big week in Baylor football. They can get the win. They are bowl eligible and still in the hunt of a conference championship. This has been, always will be. Thank you for making it your first listen every single day. Locked. On Baylor.